If you don't read the newspaper, you're uninformed. If you do read it, you're misinformed. What is the long-term effect of too much information? Information, information, I just need some information. I've been dying, I've been dying, is it lack of education? I've been reading, I've been reading without any transformation. I'm addicted, I'm addicted, is it overstimulation? Hey. Welcome to the success report. The success Hear ye, hear ye, come one, come all. You're listening to The Sixth Sense Report with Joel Nikoloff and Darnell Samuels. Yo, man, do you know what's about to happen in like four years from now? What? The most important election of our lifetime. <laughs> <laughs> well, okay, if you, if you say so. What, what, what do you think, Sam? <laughs> <laughs> well, that's true because... Not, uh, yeah, I mean, you always hear that, right, for every election. But I think it's always true for every election, right, in my opinion. Because I think every election is the most important election of your lifetime. Yeah, yeah, yeah. <laughs> because naturally, things are always regressing or progressing. So yes. the way things are headed, un- unfortunately, things are always getting worse, at least politically in some ways. Yeah. So I can understand that. Well, um, for those, who view- those of you who don't know, see, notice I didn't give Sam an introduction. We yeah. we don't gotta give Sam an introduction around here. <laughs> okay, well for those of you guys who don't know, uh today's guest we have Samuel Say, blogger, activist, extraordinaire, coming back on the show. He's been on the show before, um, and so we have him on. It's been a while. A good while since we had him on, but 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 we have him on for, for good reason. Uh so today we're going to um talk about the 2020 election so without further ado and now your undisputed and the new president of the united states of america is currently undecided joe (laughs) stop lying biden (laughs) hold on hold on hold on before you get to that if you don't mind uh did you just call me an activist uh yeah <laughs> see I, I i always make sure that i i uh and don't worry it's i that's fine it's just that what do you what see, do you prefer so so, so advocate advocate like advocate because you know some people have ruined that word mm-hmm. so every time i hear the word activist i i just cringe a little bit like oh advocate you know <laughs> okay well, well you know what sam for those of you guys who don't know uh, what what is it that you do? And let them let the audience know who's not familiar okay, with you. Okay. Who are you? By the way, I'm just giving you a bit of a hard time, but uh, <laughs> but no. Um, so primarily, well, for I work, I'm a pro life advocate or activist um, for CCBR. Um, I mean, you know, your audience will probably remember that from um, what the last, I guess, two. Well, the two times I've been on the on the podcast, where. I go to churches, I go to school, I go to areas in the GTA, and um, we convince people that abortion is a human rights violation. And then I also talk to pastors about them being more involved in the pro-life movement and things like that. So, yeah, it, it just I just find it fascinating that, um, I guess in some ways we're all activists, right? Because oftentimes through pro-life, pro-life quote-unquote activism, I am oftentimes speaking with feminist pro-abortion activist you know so i always find the same word um you know as an activist fascinating since we're on the opposite side of the of the spectrum we're fighting for different issues on the same uh, i guess realm uh, concerning the abortion issue mm-hmm. yes but and also uh tell them a little bit about your blog 
Oh yeah, yeah, yeah. I can't forget that, right? <laughs> yeah, um, yeah. I'm uh, I blog at slowtowrite.com, where I basically address cultural, political, theological issues with just my experiences and especially just God's word. Um, so um, that's how uh, I think most people know me now, uh, mostly through my blog. Mm-hmm. My very inoffensive <laughs> um simple but also <laughs> simple popular blogs. very popular because you you also wrote you've also written for um uh, desiring god as well yeah that was an honor yeah written for desiring that's a big god. deal man <laughs> yeah yeah it is i when i got the email they asked me to write something for them i was like what you guys got the right the right guy uh is there is, is there a samuel say that, that i don't know about <laughs> um <laughs> but no that was an honor um and it was during uh, my article showed up right at a very fascinating time on Desiring God too, right? So, yep. so yep. Uh, yeah, yeah. But I wrote the article about a couple months before that whole thing uh, with John Piper's words about the election and things like that. But um, yeah, no, that was a huge honor. I written for Live Action, which is probably the most influential pro-life organization in at least North America, um, with Lala Rose leading it. So that was a huge thing. And written for. Uh, some other great organizations that I'm very um, proud of. So I'm very grateful. Mm-hmm. Right. Okay. Yeah. And so, so for the listeners, this is why we have Sam on because we're going to talk about not just the 2020 election, but uh, we're going to talk about it. Um, of course, you know the controversy with it, but also hopefully to get Sam's insights on it from from a Christian perspective because one of the common themes that have been going around that people have been arguing about is is single issue voting but we'll get to that but essentially um we're going to be kind of coming from that angle so um we're looking for sam to um help us fill in some of the gaps so guys right now we're in a pretty uh what's the right term uh tumultuous tumultuous (laughs) Or, or 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 some people would say that um it's a it, it's a closed case. It's open and shut case. It's the it, it's it's a done deal. So there's a lot of people saying it's a done deal. There's a lot who's saying it's not. But I'm asking you guys, um, what's your take on where we are so far in um, the process of so finding Sam, the president? I'll, I'll let you go first. But I just want to say, just for the audience, we're recording this on Tuesday, November 10th. So if anything changes between now and and Friday when it comes out, just uh, thought I'd give context. Yeah, of course. In case that in case they give a you know call us uh, fools for getting it wrong Mm -hmm. so what are my thoughts on the election (laughs) it is it's the it seems like the inevitable perfect outcome of of course 2020 and just the just the election the way it is of course it'd be controversial of course it'd be divisive of course we're still saying huh (laughs) after a week of when we were supposed to get the results right you know, this election naturally has been one of the most perplexing and most somewhat surprising, you know, election, just with the debates and just COVID and uh, the George Floyd issue and how it affected into Black Lives Matter. And, and it's just been, it's just been, it seems inevitable that it was always going to be this way. Um, and many people called it actually because of the mailing voting. Uh, nevertheless, I've, I know it's not official yet, and the media's quickness to affirm Joe Biden as the legal nominee. It's one thing if you say he's a projected 
um, you know, I mean, presidential elect and not nominee. If you say that, that's one thing. That's fine. But he's not, and we all forget that he's not legally the president yet because there's some court battles, um, you know, in play right now that are fairly legitimate because Joe Biden got, and I think people kind of, some people have been saying this, but they're not really thinking it through. Joe Biden got the most votes in American history. The most votes, right now, what, 74 million? The most votes in American history. That's, that's more than... That's more ahead. than Trump. That's more than Trump. Yeah, Trump got, what, 69, 70 so 70, far? 70, yeah, he got 70. 70. So, I don't know exactly how many Barack Obama had, but Obama had broke the record at the time in 08. And you're te- you mean to tell me that Joe Biden got more than Barack Obama, which was a huge cultural shift, who was incredibly popular... The polls show that Joe Biden is not that popular. So how do you get that vote? Well, right? well, you know what, Sam? I, I would add that um, there, there's a saying that that we have, um, basketball players have: we hate losing more than we like winning. Um, <laughs> and, and it's probably one of those situations where yeah. they hate Trump more than they like, yeah. um, more than they like um, Biden. So they'll they'll vote for Biden. Maybe that's what's spurring it on. Well, I think that that's definitely a factor, but I think more so than anything, I think it's the mailing voting. The mailing voting is what easily seems to me with all the indications so far tipped the scales for Joe Biden. Because if you mean just in terms of even the early voting and just the election day voting, Trump absolutely destroyed him. Um, and, him, and now 1.2, Trump also got the most votes of anybody in American history besides Joe Biden. Um, and a lot of his votes well, of course, also helped by the mail voting, too. But he also, it wouldn't surprise me if he broke the record for most um, most votes for a, for a candidate on Election Day. Because um, from what I was reading, the numbers were pretty crazy. Anyway. Yeah, I mean, now, we're talking, not, just for no, context, uh, Hillary had 66 million the last time and Trump had 63. Um, again, for all our listeners, we know popular vote doesn't matter. We're just using it as a barometer of, of popularity and and. So, you know, now we're talking 74 and 70. So he broke, you know, records and, and, and so on. So um, it's an interesting time to say the least. You know, I, I basically, I would say I was in the same boat, Sam. I, I, this is what I expected in, in that, you know, mail-in voting with all the stuff that went on, you know, with regards to, you know, the, the process and COVID, um, I basically knew this wasn't going to get called and and arguably anytime soon. You know, you if I, I think right now I just heard so real so real clear politics I think it is is the website that basically they still haven't made Biden uh, they haven't considered him the projected winner yet. Um, because he I think Arizona is the, the state that they're sort of saying is still technically up for grabs and and if they project Arizona for for uh Biden, then they would, I think, consider him to be uh, projected the winner. But I think you raise a good point. Technically, there's so my my you know people might not appreciate this or not agree with it, but I use Epoch or Epic Times as sort of the most um, let's call it unbiased source I can find when it comes to Canada and the U.S. Uh, there the 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 paper itself is essentially like anti-communist 
China, Chinese refugees or Chinese escapees. I don't know what the right term would be. So there, you know, I would align with that. Okay. Yeah. I'm anti-communist China, but because they're commentating on, on countries that are, let's say, um, outside of their political stance being anti-communist China, I find that they're, they have a, and, and their goal is to be very unbiased. You know, they, they strive towards objective. Um, obviously everybody has their own bias and, and those kind of things, but so they basically have, uh, seven states as, as sort of unknown at the point right now. I think Alaska is just a timing issue, uh, but the other six either, you know, not quite done as well as the legal challenges. And so for me, I, I think it's a really interesting time. I think, I think there is a intention by the media to create a narrative for Biden such that let's say hypothetically, there's a legal battle. They want to win the narrative battle. Exactly. Yeah. So I think I think we're due for some interesting times. I mean, obviously, if the conclusions are that even the fraud that does exist, which reality is, we always know there's fraud. There's always it's usually just not significant enough. And and let's assume that that turns out to be the case. Well, I, I think it'll be sort of telling. Though I, I I expect for the most part Republicans to to peacefully accept the results, assuming they allow for this. Uh, challenge to to sort of make its way through and not get shut down early. And for what it's worth, I will say that I am convinced. I am about maybe ninety five percent convinced, maybe ninety percent convinced. Um, though that's pretty relative, but um, I'm convinced that even when it's all settled, I think whatever available facts we may have will show that Joe Biden probably won it, even if we account the potentially you know fraud or illegal votes so i i'm expecting that joe biden's gonna win now primarily mm-hmm. because of mailing voting which was very clever and cunning by the democrats to use covid as a way to get biden over the hump because he would i think he would have definitely lost if not for the mailing voting um nevertheless um i'm expecting that but yes right now we don't quite know for sure with you know legally who is going to be the president yeah no it's funny that you said because uh i think about when this whole thing was going on I was, I was kind of taking a step back and going on with my regular life. So I wasn't, <laughs> I wasn't trying to watch anything. I was just, you know, going on with, with regular life until the results came in. And, you know, all these allegations about um, lying and cheating. And it's funny because I just did a lot of reading. I did a lot of reading uh, blogs and books. I was reading um compassion and conviction the book by uh the guys at uh church politic and and they they have like the ad the an campaign the christian political organization so i've been reading books like that and the the question that came to my mind was is there a need to cheat like you know whether sides you 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 listen to that there's definitely you know clearly you know people have their horse in the race but the question is is there like let's say the situation was reversed right 
what what would Republicans be saying about this whole situation? What would Democrats be saying about the situation? I, I would say they'd be saying the same thing. But the question I'm asking is, well, uh, I would say they did, but that's a different conversation. Mm-hmm. I mean, we spent we spent three and a half years talking about Russia colluding and trying to impeach Trump. Mm-hmm. But, but what I'm asking is, is there, is there, cause, because there's a part of me, I was just like, oh, this is just sour grapes. These guys, uh, uh, Trump's just a sore loser. Republicans are just sore losers. But is there grounds to cheat? And, and I was really risking, I was like, well, actually, yes. Yes, there, there, there is, like, when you really think about it, regardless of what party you're in, is there grounds? <laughs> like, if there's a way you can low key, uh, you know, move the finish line um, to help your guy win. Is is that possible? And can that happen? I'm like, oh, heck yeah, of course, without a doubt. So it, this this isn't just conspiracy theory or, or, or um, sour grapes. And the point I'm making is that, you know, the Trump organization really does have a case in that um, I was watching, I was watching a YouTube channel. Um, it was called put in the show notes um ali beth stuck uh stucky and uh and so she had a guest on uh jeanette ellis so it was a senior legal advisor for the 2010 2020 campaign and personal attorney for trump her background is uh constitutional law and legislation and so and she's also part of a senior fellow at the uh the Furlick center which is affiliated with liberty i'm not sure i pronounced it right um falker falker yeah um, Falkirk. yeah Falkirk. um so she's a Falkirk fellow and and so she was just making a really good argument for the case that they can make and i you know i didn't know i i didn't know how serious this was until she started bringing up um some of the potential issues that they had with um with the voter fraud one of the things that stuck out was 20 21,000 voters um on on the voter roll and pennsylvania um are dead they they're not alive <laughs> so i was just like oh um that could be a problem um, <laughs> right, right? when you have two pocket biggie voting i was like look man this is i don't know if this could work but the point i'm making is just that um <laughs> i just thought that you know what there is grounds um for investigation and there is grounds to not give give biden the crown just yet um and i think it's important just in regards to inte- the integrity of the judicial system, as much as we want to fight against, you know, fight against systemic racism and social justice, yeah, th- this is a social justice issue because we don't want any corruption in our um in in such a a, a process as this. It's such an important process as this. So it's very interesting to see how people will react or just turn a blind eye to to these allegations. I think it's been fascinating to watch. Um, like the three of us, we all attempt very hard to be very objective. And it's fascinating to me to see how so many leftists who are so adamant when there are allegations of police brutality or especially racist police brutality, they immediately believe it because many of them want to believe it. But yet, because they don't want to believe that it could have been Tampering. No, systemic wide yeah wide uh widespread fraud here they immediately reject it and well I don't th- sh- it's they- not that the, i would say i don't think they disagree that there's a potential i think they don't want the outcome if it's true yeah yeah exactly well, of, yeah, course, we, we, of course of course yeah. not so, another term with trump <laughs> so so i agree with that but then on the other side i'm seeing also a lot of 
while I will honestly say, while we, we, I think all three of us do believe there's absolutely believable and credible allegations of fraud that could very much be more widespread and systemic. At the same time, we don't quite know for a fact mm-hmm. if judgment. that contributed to the election, well, what seems to be the election outcome right now. And I mentioned that because so many so many Republicans and conservatives are adamant that Trump got cheated. Well, we don't know that yet, right? Mm-hmm. So when yeah. people now have, has there been some cheating? Absolutely. It has it been widespread, and is that why he may have lost the election? We don't know that yet. And I think we all of us, both leftists and conservatives or Christians, need to be more consistent. Now, if we were to be more consistent, then they would very much agree with the three of us because we're always right. <laughs> <laughs> okay, yeah. well, well, you brought up the, uh, the idea of Christians, and part of the argument that's been going on is that Christians Christians have been supporting uh, Biden. Actually, well, there's a division between Christians um, and, and who are they supporting um, in the issue. Mainly the, the underlying issue is uh, abortion, pro-choice versus pro-life and how a Christian should vote. So do you guys think Christians are caught up in a political false dichotomy as it relates to single issue voting? Uh, oh, that's such like I would say the question you probably need to drill down because I would say not looking at a particular issue. I would say no. We're looking at a particular no, issue. No, no, no. I know, I know. But to, if I took away the particular issue <laughs> and asked the same question, right? Is there a false dichotomy? And I would say on most issues there is a false dichotomy, <laughs> right? Like the Republicans and Democrats are the same thing on on many, 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 many issues. And but people think there's a dichotomy. People overthink that there's there's actually a difference between these two parties. Now, issue by issue, there are some issues that there are differences on. So I just I just okay, wanted to make that answer the question, Joel. Yeah, is this a false dichotomy? Me, when you say, is it a false dichotomy that uh, a Christian should decide based on a single issue? The the single issue being um, abortion. I was just yeah, but in general. <laughs> Like no no the reason I want to bring, Are you I want a politician? to politician what is this no I want I want to make sure I, like because Joel Biden no 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 I want I want to contextualize it properly right because the idea of having a single issue is is sort of the the fundamental question and then we can say do do certain issues qualify as being significant enough that they that I can can argue yeah this single issue i can have a dichotomy on who's right and who's wrong or who i should vote for and who i shouldn't um like let's use a simple example the definition of um you know again i know it's not that simple in the context but the definition of murder no, yo come okay all right go ahead my point being if if someone's like oh no i'm allowed to to murder my living family members Right, like we could argue that's a single issue that like no Christian should vote like for that party. Mm-hmm. Right. So my point is, the reason I want to go there first is to say we can conceive of issues where there's no there's no debate, where a single issue could say yes, I, there's one party I agree with and one party I don't. Mm-hmm. So I don't think it's a false dichotomy. The question then becomes with respect to abortion. I I have a pretty libertarian sort of. Exp- explanation of my position Mm -hmm. and that is but it also is a christian libertarian perspective okay what's the answer joel what's the answer man i believe it's a property rights issue but i believe life starts at conception and 
like uh, I would hold that like now that I have a property rights dichotomy or or sorry dichotomy is not the right word a property rights tension property rights in in an inalienable rights sense are negative rights it it prevents me from harming another person it doesn't give me positive rights so for me it's a pretty straightforward issue it's always it's always a violation of rights okay how about you sam uh so b- before we get to that so then in, the, in that case I, I think i know the answer but just to be um to clarify some more would you then say that abortion should be made illegal yeah because i'm yeah. i'm i'm all property rights you know in the in that in the way i've expounded it I'm against all violations of property rights. Yeah, I, 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 I knew you'd say that I agree with you, but I just know that some pro-abortion people use the property rights um, yes. rhetoric in a very different way. And I, 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 didn't, I wanted our, the audience to know to know exactly what you meant, because I knew what you meant already. But um, um, so the question is on single voting as single issue voting as it relates to abortion, right, Joe? Sorry, right, um, Daryl? Dar- uh, yeah, yeah, Sorry, just, just yeah, yeah. Just uh, so I was speaking to uh, Daryl. Uh, Dylan uh, Harrison, <laughs> yeah, they're all easy. No, but yeah, no. Um, well, oh, well. First, I, I, I think it's a great question. But first, I think so many, so many people bring up single issue voting as a way to dismiss Christians or pro life Christians. Well, the thing is, there are actually very, very few people out there, relatively, anyways, who only vote. On a, on a single issue, particularly on abortion. It's actually very rare. There's actually a study that came out that um, in many cases, now this is not referring to, it, it's, very, it's, very, um, it, it's a very wide survey, or not really a survey, but someone did research on it, and they were saying that a lot of pro-life people care just as much or more about something like even illegal immigration than abortion. Now, that's also a concern for me as a pro-life advocate. Obviously, I think immigration is a big issue, but that is where I'm going to go with this. This is also a matter of priority. But again, I'll come back to that in a second. The point is, people are, I mean, look, I know, obviously, as a pro-life advocate, I'm always around pro-life people. We care, of course, about abortion immensely, but we also care about the economy. We care about liberty. We care about religious freedom for Christians. We care about foreign policy. We care about everything, as we should. Um, nevertheless. If you are, if you have, if you are right on, on many of those things, but you're wrong on abortion, you should be disqualified from even being a politician. Because no, now we're not just talking about, uh, of course, all rights are important. But if you say you believe that some, some people do not have the right to live, you've broken the most precious and most fundamental right anyone can have. The most basic right so if you don't believe in someone's right to life i don't trust you on preserving someone's right to the property someone's right to practice their their, their religion i don't i can't trust you on anything so even when it comes to single issue voting for for abortion it's completely legitimate if all things are equal and even if all things aren't equal i can never vote for somebody who is going who's going to be pro-abortion particularly who's going to uh want to maintain or push more pro more um laws that protect abortion because that's a very fundamental thing that if a politician um is you know set 
on maintaining or pushing more pro-abortion laws, uh, I can never vote for them. So on, if there's going to be any single issue that we should care about, it's that. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. Yeah, no, and, and I see what you're saying, like an argument from the lesser to the greater. And I think that, like, again, as Christians, you know, this is a pretty clear, straight-cut issue, right? Life um, life begins at, con- at conception. But um, the other issue, I guess, people are putting up against, but, you know, looking at Trump and Trump not being a character individual and 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 there's some straw man's hanging around that's saying that you know Christians if they're going to vote for Trump he has to be <clears throat> morally a morally upstanding righteous person um but I don't I, I think that's I don't think that's that's the issue because nobody no no president is a upstanding righteous person um in in that sense so um you're looking at the abortion issue being um pro-life being championed by trump but then you have biden who isn't um who's 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 pro-choice but not just pro-choice but um he's pro anti-racism right um and and it comes back to your article is racism uh worse than murder It, it really comes back down to that in the sense that you know for for a lot of christians who are siding with biden Yes, they hate abortion, and 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 that's not the, right. We're not saying that you know the Christians who support Biden are for abortion. They're not. They hate abortion, but it almost seems Actually, like yeah. Can I? I'm sorry, man. Can I? Okay, no, yeah, no, yeah, no jump no, in, go ahead. jump in. I don't mean to be controversial. You don't mean. <laughs> <I just> said, <laughs> <laughs> that's your bread and butter, man. That's why we brought you on here. <laughs> um, I'm not convinced. I can't say that's true for every single person. Okay. Okay. But the vast majority of people who are voting for Biden are doing so because they're either very apathetic of abortion or they don't, or many of them do would say they're Christians, but they kind of support abortion. And I know some of them actually. Yeah. Um, and so yeah it's hard it's hard to say you hate abortion but you're going to empower someone who's going to do just that yeah and and i guess you know i'm trying you know i'm trying to speak graciously uh and not bear false witness against uh my my brothers and 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 i know you guys aren't either so that's i'm trying to make sure that my language is uh as even as as it can be so like for example there was uh a youtube clip shared by uh christian rapper andy mineo and in the youtube clip and we'll put in the show notes is called what about abortion should this one issue determine how christians vote and so basically in this video um there's an argument made at at the 10 minute six, 10 minute and 16 second mark uh there's an argument being made for uh christians who are pro-life voting pro-choice okay so so we'll play um, a bit of that clip the person sitting in the oval office is not what matters most when it comes to reducing abortions their supreme court appointments haven't mattered their party platforms haven't mattered and their rhetoric hasn't mattered so what has mattered why have abortions been declining steadily since the 1980s again it's complicated But a big factor is that fewer women are facing unplanned pregnancies. 
Sexual activity among teens is way down compared to 20 years ago, and more women have access to health care and long-lasting contraceptives. Some states have also passed laws requiring a waiting period before an abortion. They've limited public funding and restricted late-term abortions. Others have pushed to make adoption more affordable. All of these have contributed to reducing abortions. None of them required Roe to be overturned, and none of them happened because of the president, the Supreme Court, or anyone else in Washington. So what have we learned? We've learned that despite 11 conservative Republican-appointed justices on the Supreme Court, for the last 50 years the court has only upheld rather than reversed abortion rights, and that's unlikely to change. And even if the court did overturn Roe, it would have very little impact because abortion was widely available before Roe, and it would be after. We've also seen that the president and his party have had no impact on abortion as the rate has steadily fallen under both Republican and Democratic administrations due to local and state efforts that have nothing to do with Washington. Okay, and now what do you guys think? Um, <laughs> I don't know where to start with that. Okay, this is why I mentioned earlier that... Um, now again, I think there's some who are who are going to support Joe Biden or politicians like Joe Biden. Uh, I refer, you know, as in pro-abortion politicians, mm-hmm. and they might genuinely believe that they hate um, abortion. But the reason why I, I mention that is because what do we say for people who say they are? Again, they hate slavery, but you're gonna you're going to vote for pro-slavery politicians. It doesn't connect. Something is not right there. I know that many of them will say, "Well, they're not voting for that; they're voting for other things." But you don't have to make that choice. You can just choose not to vote for that that you know that candidate. Nevertheless, to directly respond to that video, the idea there's so many false you know there, well there's certain things they don't. They, they seem, well, they may not be intentionally doing this, but there's certain things that they choose to ignore, uh, which is that they mentioned, for example, the abortion rate, why it's been, it's been dropping. There are some factors that lead to that, but primarily it's been, it's because of Republican um, politicians in, in certain states that have been decreasing abortions. Something like, for example, what, what, you know, pro-life laws that you saw, for example, in Alabama last year that I, I, we talked about last year when I came on the show. Um, you also have um, you know, other pro-life laws, uh, like you know, you have the gestation laws, you have the parental consent laws, you have all the things that's been dropping abortion rates, and we know it's happened in, in Republican states because the abortion rates for Republican states are much, much, much lower than they are for pro de- or basically mostly Democrat-controlled states. But more than that, his main argument is. Um, is that the presidents don't really have a lot of power in the abortion issue. That's completely false. That's not right. And a very, here's a very simple example as to why they do have a lot of power. In 1996, the, the House of, um, well, Congress in the States, they passed a bill that would have banned partial birth abortions. This is 1996. For those of you who don't know what partial birth abortions uh, is, it's basically when doctors kill a fetus outside the womb after that fetus survives an abortion right that's what a partial Mm -hmm. birth abortion is congress passed a bill that would have banned this in 1996 
the president at the time was was Clinton. He vetoed that bill. So that bill didn't pass. He had the power to veto it as president and he vetoed it. So he had thousands more babies that survived abortions and they were killed after the fact because that bill was not passed and it wasn't passed. It wasn't made into a law because of the Democrat or pro-abortion politician at the time being Bill Clinton. Well, seven years later in 03, Congress being led by Republicans again, they passed a bill, this similar bill, essentially the same bill. And this time it became law because at the time, the president was George Bush. That's just one example. The other example, which he mentions too, is the Supreme Court. Well, it's fascinating to me that in the video, they just mentioned the Supreme Court because the president doesn't have power to just nominate judges for Supreme Court. He has power to, to nominate all kinds of federal judges. And right now in the US, they have almost 900 federal judges. Trump was able to fill in seats, well, fill in 300 seats for judges. That's 300 pro-life judges that he he uh, was able to nominate and confirm. One of them was actually Amy Coney Barrett, who's now the Supreme Court uh, Justice. But that's important because they have power, as in all these judges, they have power to ban or uphold laws. So again, going back to the Alabama law last year, Alabama passed this law that would have essentially banned all abortions in Alabama. Well, I said they it would have because last year, shortly after they they introduced the law, a federal judge who was, um, I think, um, put into power by, I think, Barack Obama, he, um, this, no, sorry, I think it's a woman. So this woman, this federal judge, she she has banned the law and it is now, now it's not being practiced anymore. Now it's, probably going to go to the Supreme Court soon, which would be good, because then it could, it could uh, lead to them overturning Roe v. Wade, hopefully. Mm -hmm. um, nevertheless, that's the kind of power that a federal judge has. And the federal judge is then, again, nominated and confirmed, essentially, well, nominated by the president and confirmed by the uh, the Senate or the uh, the state Senate. Uh, so not state Senate, sorry, the, um, the, uh, the state uh, powers. And then you have also a very, very important uh, this this has to do with also international um, abortions, where you have the Mexico City policy, which is a law that essentially uh, bans um, taxpayer money um, being used to fund abortions internationally. So it's important because the president actually does have power to revoke or to reinstate this Mexico City policy. Obama, when, when he was in power, he brought it back into use and he was funding abortions all over the world, including especially Africa, where the abortion rate in Ghana, for example, where I'm originally from, is four times higher than it is in the U.S. and Canada. Oh, wow. Which is insane. Yeah. Wow. Yeah. And they do that under, under the table illegally through taxpayer money coming from the American presidents. And I'm talking about millions here. So anyway, so the president, Barack Obama, can reinstate it. Well, then again, they also have power through executive order to to uh, revoke it. And Trump did that. And because Trump did that, here's how, how here's how important that is. Because Trump did that, our, our prime minister, doesn't Trudeau, then saw the, you know, saw a space for Canada to become the number one, um, the number one, I guess, 
fun, you know, I guess, you know, fundraising people of sorts or funder of, uh, of abortion. And that became Canada now. So Canada now is giving billions out to kill more people across the world, especially again in Africa and Asia. So because Trump, uh, revoked it, Justin Trudeau saw how I guess he'd become a hero in the pro-abortion community across the world. And he himself now has made Canada become the most, uh, I guess, the most important nation in the world when it comes to funding abortion. Anyway, of course, Biden has said he's going to reinstate that. That's just three examples of how important the president is when it comes to the abortion issue. Now, of course, that's not the only thing, mm -hmm. right? The other things that the Senate has control over, the Supreme Court has control over, but the president has major, major influence in the abortion issue. So that whole video was very disappointing and it's full of inaccuracies. Oh, yeah, boy. I mean, I, I, you know, me with the, the stats perspective is like, you know, the simple statement is like, stats don't lie, but liars use stats. The reality is the 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 question of how does a, a president directly impact or not impact, you know, Sam just laid out a re some really good examples of how they would impact. So now the question would be, how would that be reflected in the stats? Well, the foreign example clearly is not, but but I think more importantly you know, um, the the other aspect is, you know, what's the alternative universe version of the numbers if Clinton hadn't vetoed the bill, hmm. right? That's the real comparable. The comparable isn't the trend line. The comparable is what would the trend line be in the alternative scenario? And and again, let, for argument's sake, let's let's just give the guy a little bit of grace that that. You know, there is some truth that a president has limited impact on the trend line of abortions. Mm -hmm. Again, it's still failing to recognize, well, his appointees are going to have an effect in this way or that way. Um, it also fails to recognize like, like, so the argument, there, there is a, a fundamental truth that I, that I would say I resonate with, or I can agree with. And that is that people are more passionate about the president and less interested in the crisis pregnancy center down the street mm -hmm. right so there, there's a point that um you know we should be more focused on local ways because his argument is that local initiatives are more effective at lowering abortions fine but but sam just laid it out really good because one so he had four big high like reasons for the the the, the cause of a decline in abortion since 1980 I won't go through all of them because for the most part, they're just sort of de describing why the trend line is negative, but the new state regulations says, okay, well, what states and under what control is that the cause? And if I did, you know, trend lines and tried to compare across states that are more Republican run, more democratic run, i.e. more pro-life versus not less pro-life, what do those trends line look like? And this is the, you know, economics sort of going, okay, let's drill down to sort of try to eliminate, uh, let's call it noise and look at true causal factors. If he's saying local state or local restrictions or local state ways are the means that we can uh, lower abortions. Well, if that generally happens under more Republicans than Democrats, he's actually circumventing his own argument. But the only point that sort of, I would argue, stands up is that, oh, presidents have less influence than voting in your state legislature. Okay. 
That can be true, but I can still say you should pro- vote for the pro-life candidate. <laughs> exactly. And, and just another point uh, that you raised. Um, yeah, in the video talks about how, uh, I think he quoted uh, David French, they quoted David French saying that too many pro-life people don't care as much about the local the local pregnancy care center than the, uh, the president. That's actually not true at all. And I, I find that extremely frustrating because people keep saying that, but it's a complete lie because the opposite is true. It's actually incredible how many pro-life Christians care about volunteering or working for the local pregnancy care center. Or I'll financially supporting. Not just that. Yeah, well, exactly. Here's, here's a shocking number that I shared with people recently and they were all surprised by it because it goes to show how people don't know this number. You have a lot. You have a lot of abortion centers and especially Planned Parenthood centers across North America. Yet, they are outnumbered by four to one. When you think, you know, when you compare them to their, their local pregnancy, sorry, I'm talking too fast. Their local pregnancy care center. So four to one is the rate. And because of that, because of that, you have so many abortion centers who are being closed down now. A lot of them. Planned Parenthood have been losing a lot of their their uh, chapters. Why? Because you have so many people, so many pro-life people, so many Christians um, supporting financially Pregnancy. through prayer. Um, yeah, you know, the pregnancy care centers. So the idea that the pro-life movement isn't putting enough attention to... Now, of course, can we do more? Of course you can. We can always do more, right? You can always And, and are do- there Christians who that criticism is valid of? Of course. Yes. Of course, exactly. But is that the main issue? No. The main issue is you have, unfortunately, so many Christians, you know, like you see in that video, who are essentially saying to so many Christians that, hey, you don't have to pursue justice. It's okay to vote for injustice. And here's the thing. Our goal isn't even to, as in our being Christians or the pro-life movement, our goal is not to reduce abortion. Our goal is to end it. Right. We're glad. We're happy to uh, to reduce it when we ca- where we can. But we're trying to reduce it so we can eventually get to zero. Right. And that's the key. And, and here's the other thing, too. It's not even just about the numbers. It's it's legal to kill babies. I think we, we forget that sometimes. Yeah. That it's it's not a matter of just the numbers. It's not a matter of there being a, a, a million babies being killed a year in America. It's not even just that. Of course, that's horrible. But. That happens because it's legal to kill babies. It's not legal to kill anybody else mm-hmm. unless you're a preborn baby. Mm-hmm. Or is, that's or is, the issue. Yeah. Or as um, uh, John Piper was saying in one of his article, yeah, it's not illegal to you know kill animals, right? Um, but I guess the way I see it is this, uh, especially for those who may seem like abolition of abortion is a far-reaching task. Well, you just just look at slavery. Like, the, like you have to remember that there was a time that you know slavery was, was same the norm. thing would have been said. Well, yeah, was the was the norm like like to Christians? You're saying okay, well, come on, like what's the likelihood of us, you know, you know, voting this way and 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 freeing the slaves? Maybe we can free a little bit, a little bit by little bit, but eventually, you know, here we are today, and you know, slavery is gone, and as Christians and people of hope. If, if that if that's one thing that defines us we are people of hope um we should be echoing that rhetoric and behavior of hope and and trying to abolish um abortion uh but guys changing gears and not so much 
too much, but when you look at the single issue voting as it relates to abortion, so can it be applied to Canadian politics, right? So how how do you vote when the Conservative Party, which which has been traditionally uh, pro life, is now pro choice? So again, we see the U.S. and there is um, a dichotomy. We got Trump, we got Biden, we got Democrat, we got um, um, Republican. But in the Canadian context, it's it's way different because everybody's pro-choice, um, even the group that's supposed to not be pro-choice. So, how, so, so what do you guys say about in the Canadian context? How do we apply that? Uh, I mean, uh, my first instinct is uh, well, sorry, Michael sorry, sorry, Joel, but more, more so like, of course, the liberals will speak for themselves in NDP, but I'm, I'm also most more so talking about the conservative party when our conservative party isn't conservative Aaron O'Toole um being a conservative guy and also a libertarian and he's pro-choice uh he's not a libertarian oh well, <laughs> yeah, what do you mean what do you mean <laughs> not nah. even close, oh my not gosh even close. oh my gosh no. what don't is this? slander don't the man, slander me libertarians the man, by saying that bro. the man said he's libertarian so <laughs> yeah believe him, man yeah, Donald Trump said he was a Republican. Um, <laughs> oh my goodness, this guy. <laughs> just, I'm just I mean, the, the point I'm trying to get at actually is, is the reason why Trump said he's a Republican is because Michael Malice has this great quote, and I've probably said on the show before, conservatives are progressives wearing seatbelts. The, conser- the progressive opinion 10 years ago is the conservative opinion today. So much of our conservative culture is really like fighting the liberals. They don't they don't have principles they stand on anymore. There's very much like, no, slow down the change. No, keep things the way they are. Um, and so, you know, for him to say he's libertarian, well, what does he mean? Like gay marriage? Well, that's not a libertarian issue. Like that that's really, you know, bare, you know, scraping the surface of of a conversation that that, you know, doesn't apply in in so the reason I, I wanted to jump in early on that was just because it, it to me, this is just symbolic of that point by or that quote from Michael Malice. Like the conservative party is just try, be, sort of being an anchor to the progressives and that's it. So I don't know, Sam, what are your thoughts on, on, you know, the lack of options? Well, yeah, I mean, I think that's a great, great way of saying it. The conservatives are progressives who just progress slower than the progressives. Right? Mm. That's all they are. They're just progressing at a slower rate. Uh, unfortunately. Now, that's even for America. Over here, they are, as in Canada, the conservatives here are progressing almost towards the same rate as the the liberals, Um, which has been extremely disappointing. I was not a very big fan of Andrew Scheer. I did not like Andrew Scheer politically very much. He seemed to have been a great man. I wish he was more of a man of courage uh, than he seemingly displayed, but I, I admire the man. Uh, but as a politician, uh, he was not very good. Until he was already and, out and uh, he was on the CBC exactly. and blasted them for Leslie and Lewis. Exactly. Leslie Lewis. Then he grew some, then he became very courageous. Um, I almost said something I shouldn't, <laughs> I shouldn't say. <laughs> he grew some. Uh, Cajones. I myself there. Yeah. Um, <laughs> Darnell likes that one, eh? But no. Uh, <laughs> but no. Um, yeah. I have okay, so I'm having a hard time with this one because uh, Ariel Tool, not a big fan at all. Um, he is pro-choice. He's pro-abortion. And he is not going to do anything really to um, advance the pro-life movement. If anything, he has signaled. He suggested he's going to try to stagnate and um, 
keep the pro-life movement within the, within the conservative party from flourishing all the more. So that's a huge concern. So what do I do then? Well, here's, here's when we think about, I guess, strategy or effectiveness. Okay. So I'll tell you this. I, prob- I would probably right now lean towards not voting for the conservative party in the next federal election. I probably lean that way. Nevertheless, there's still a chance that I might vote for them if I'm sure he'd be pressed on it. If if the pro-life movement within the conservative party essentially force him to be pragmatic, force him to say, okay, you know what? This is what basically if he adopts Stephen Harper's view, generally, I'm okay with it. Or even in some ways, Andrew Scheer's view, which is if if some pro-life conservatives decide to introduce a bill, I won't stop it. I would just let the the MPs and everybody else just decide for themselves. And then I would just I would just agree or support whatever the party decides. If he says that, that's one. Then you know what? Then I might be willing to vote for him. But if he's going to be actively, whether it's pro- privately or publicly, working against a pro-life movement, what's the point? So that's that's one mm-hmm. level. On the other level, though, here's where here's why I say that I'm not strictly just a single issue voter. Obviously, the abortion issue is the biggest thing for me. Nevertheless, his views on the economy and his views on uh, immigration, foreign policy, all, all those things matter as well. I've said it before, and I've said it publicly, and I'll say it again here. If you're voting for a pro-abortion politician who's going to maintain and produce uh, or or further the, uh, you know, I guess, so-called the right to kill babies over a pro-life politician, I think that's a sin. I really do believe that. However, I think when you're forced between horrible choices, when they're both pro-choice, and yet you can find some good biblical views like if Aaron O'Toole had some good policies you know on the economy or at least better than Trudeau's policies which is not mm-hmm. that hard to do if he has better policies in the economy or you know immigration than Trudeau while I probably still wouldn't vote for him I can better understand that mm-hmm. right now when I say better what I what I also mean is is it biblical Right, because the Bible doesn't just speak about abortion; it speaks about the economy, it speaks about all those things. So I would want one. Now, some I think I'm probably saying that I'm a theo- you know, I believe in a theonomy. No, I don't, but I do believe that libertarianism is absolutely in line with biblical uh, theology and even in the old covenant in some degree. But anyway, that's, 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 that's a whole other show because I would different. disagree. But go ahead. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> yeah I guess you, you want to be wrong on your own show, right? Um, <laughs> I'm just bugging you. I'm bugging you. But no. Um, yeah. So, so I would say that um, in that sense, there you have freedom there of you know you have freedom as a Christian to either vote for a guy like an Aaron O'Toole or choose not to. And I would probably mm-hmm. choose not to vote for him. Mm-hmm. Hopefully that's helpful. Yeah, no, 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 no. That that was helpful because again, uh, for the for the for the Christian context in Canada, uh, that dichotomy is gone because it doesn't matter the way how you slice it. Uh, you know, even even it, even like from the Conservative Party and, and Leslie Lewis, uh, she is like 
political rhetoric, you'll hear her use language like, you know, she she's pro-life to a certain point, right? She's pro-choice to a certain point, uh, to a certain term. Yeah. Um. So, uh, so that, that was the first time I ever heard that kind of language being used. And I was just like, wait, what? Well, sorry, I'm confused. What does that mean? Um. And so, like, you have to kind of, you notice, like you said, like progressive or conservatives are just progressing slower than progressives. But, uh, I mean, it is what it is. But- well, and and Canada's got like one of the worst abortion policies in the world, right? Right. Like, we we I think the first time Sam was on, we talked about them being in the class with like North Korea and one other country, in terms of the the ability to have late term abortions. Right. Obviously, someone would caveat, yes, there's exemption. You know, you need certain like conditions and and whatnot, and it's not just like a straight free for all. But for the most part, it's it's relatively uh, easy in comparison to to you know the rest of the world. World. yeah yeah but but again i think it's still important for christians to conduct themselves uh in a in a um in a behavior of hope and and living out not just proclaiming the gospel but but making sure that you know we still have a hope of saving babies and and and, and changing the way things are done and not to give up just because the numbers may look stacked against what what we value doesn't mean um, we should stop fighting for it but going back to the point where uh sam and i almost went at each other now for those people who don't know me and sam go way back we go we go way back you know how far we go back <laughs> back to our arminian days <laughs> <laughs> wait a minute wait a minute yo bro, no, no. i think you mean you bro i was born yo, i was a stop. i was born a Calvinist, lips bro. are an abomination to god <laughs> I, I was reformed before you buddy <laughs> so 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 we go we go way back but there's a lot of points where sam and i are alike and we agree but there's points where we disagree so one of the points where we disagree and possibly maybe not but in episode 78 um is black lives matter sin is blm sin um i made a statement making a distinction between the church and the christian the context being that uh the church has its own mandate therefore it should not support political organizations uh like black lives matter or pro-life organizations um i never got your feedback on those comments well what'd you think about me making those yeah yeah uh, you didn't get my feedback because I didn't want to, you know, <laughs> message you with my sin and my anger. Just like, let me come at this guy. No, no, no. I'm just playing. I, I love that episode, by the way. I loved it. Um, but yeah, that was one. I mean, I love all your episodes, but that was one in particular where I actually did some good thinking about it and uh, actually spoke to some mutual friends just so that we could kind of talk more about it because that was fascinating. It was very interesting. Um, so first I had some questions as to, well, what, what do you mean? What are the implications? So one, for example, and I think I know the answer. When you make a distinction between the church and the Christian, my immediate mm. thought is, well, that's one and the same thing. Um, so then I'm thinking, okay, you must you must mean the local church, um, then, not so much no, the church. No, the distinction period. I'm making is, uh, so for example, uh, Christian, the Christian has a mandate and the church as an institution, as, as God's um, vessel conduit on earth, the church has a has its own mandate and the christian has its own mandate like yes we know right we know that the church is not the building it's the people but there's also a nuance to that where the christian has a mandate to preach the gospel make disciples right and also to be uh salt and light and that salt and light isn't necessarily in relation to um 
salvation, but um, cultural change. So the argument that I was making was that uh, Christians are free or and not even free, but encouraged to participate in social affairs. Of course, in all wisdom and trying to do it as biblically as possible. So it's not crazy for um, a Bible believing Christian to support Black Lives Matter. It's not crazy. Why? Because of their. Um, so I think the, the simple way of putting it is on a given issue, we can agree with them. No, 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 not not agree with them. Because like, like, I don't agree with it. I don't agree with it, but I understand why Christians would uh, partner with with Black Lives Matter to uh, fight racial injustice and systemic racism. And so they can do that as trying to be salt. But I and I made the comment on, on the show as well that you don't want to be supporting organizations that undercut what you're doing and you have to use wisdom in doing that. Uh, there's nothing wrong. There's nothing wrong with trying to help black people and trying to, you know, fix that situation. Uh, but to the other side of the coin with the church, the church has this mandate to to preach the gospel and to be um, a buttress of truth. And so it has its main agenda to disciple God's people and so forth. So that's why it wouldn't it wouldn't be biblical for the church to say, OK, you know what? We're going to support Black Lives Matter because they're doing a good thing. Well, no, it's not just that they're doing a good thing. We don't want to, the church is not to spread its affairs thin, right? Get caught up in the affairs of the world. It, its mandate is to uh, preach the gospel and disciple God's people. But Christians as an individual, yes, you have part in the church, but you also have a part in the culture to, yes, witness about the glory of Christ and salvation, but also to uh, be salt um, and light in, in, in the culture. Was that, was that clear, Sam? I think so. Uh, and I know what you mean uh, when you're referring to how a Christian, an individual Christian, can support Black Lives Matter. Uh, what I would say to that, though, just um, just to flesh it out some more, is I think in, in, in their immaturity, um, without understanding all of what Black Lives Matter mean, I can understand why they would want to do that. Yet it wouldn't make it all. It would still make it, it still be sinful. By what what I mean by that is, uh, Black Lives Matter. I would candidly refer to as an anti-Christ, anti-biblical, anti-Christian organization with values that completely um, contradict the Word of God. They're racist in many ways. They're Marxist. They're just a horrible ideology that the Bible, you know, calls us to reject and to. Um, keep every thought captive to Christ as we tear down their uh, lofty opinions that are raised against Christ. Nevertheless, so I think, again, a Christian can, I mean, we, a Christian can support anything. You know, our identity, our our um, salvation in Christ is not based on what we do, it's based on what God has done for us, right? Um, nevertheless, so since I believe that a Christian shouldn't be able to do that in the first place because it would be sinful, I obviously don't think that church should be able to do the same thing as well. Nevertheless, I still don't quite agree. Now, what I will say is this. Um, this, this is, I guess, how I understand it. The Bible does call the church to, I always you know, reference this text, it's one of my favorite texts when it comes to justice, is to abhor evil, love good, establish justice. It also says that the local church and all Christians should be uh, pursuing justice, you know, for the widow, right. for the fatherless, for right. the poor, all those things. Now, 
the local church should absolutely be hands on on doing these things in their communities. One of the biggest problems, honestly, I think with Canada, it's increasingly becoming a problem in the States too, but I think especially in Canada, the reason why the Canadian church, like nobody, unfortunately, we don't have as much effect, uh, you know, in our communities because the government does everything for us. The government does everything. The government has become, quote unquote, the church, but except, of course, the church of Satan, not the church of Christ, obviously. The government is doing what we're called to do. The government is the one that's helping the sick quote-unquote helping but anyway helping the sick helping the poor all those things it should be on the church doing that anyway to get back to the original point the point is i think that the church should be hands-on in helping the in helping and doing justice in our communities however you can also do the same thing by supporting an organization the problem is of course you can't you shouldn't support an organization i would say if they're doing anything that contradicts the word of God or anything that you as a local church would not want to support because it goes against biblical theology um, yeah, but, but otherwise, yeah. go ahead. No, no, but I, so no. what I was going to say was, uh, just to nuance my point, is that, like, for you um, as an advocate, uh, you can come into the church and say, hey, look, guys, I'm part of this organization. Um, I would like your support. And they're like, you know what? We love what you're doing, Sam. We're going to support you. That's cool. What I'm saying is that to say, okay, well, look, this is this is going to be the main thing that this is one of the main things or the main tenets of our church. Uh, then I would say no, that's not biblical, and it's just, and it goes and it's the same um, same energy that that I would argue for Black Lives Matter. Like someone can come into the church and say, you know what, we need to go and rally. We who wants to join me and go rally some will say yes some will say no but to come into the church and and say okay well look well pastor you know your silence is compliance if you're not um making black lives matter a core tenant of what the church is about you see what i'm saying so yeah. it's okay for you to add, it's okay for you to, to say to your your christian brothers and sisters to say support me but for a church and i think it's and i think this is the argument that i'm making is to protect the church from great political movements and bad ones um i, I, I think it's a lot of wisdom in what you're saying i just think that it so so for sure you know there should be wise and uh, we should be so okay i guess what, what i mean is this would you say it's okay and i think i know your answer already but just to be clear would you say it's it'd be wrong for a church to support um okay say say say, say scott mission for example right i think both of us are familiar with scott mission mm -hmm. yeah would you would would you say it'd be wrong for a church to support them? Yes. Sorry, to put you on the spot there. I didn't mean to put you on the spot. No, 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 no. This this is what we do. No, this is what, this is what we do, man. <laughs> yeah, no. So I would say that the church, like for example, we have the diaconate fund, right? Every church has a diaconate fund, the fund that the church saves for its members. That money. Where does that money go? Does it does it go to Scott Mission? Does it go to black lives matter like like where where does that money that i give for sister sharon and brother curtis mm -hmm. you see what i'm saying so all that money is for members only do you want do, do you, does your organization want prayer yo we got you we got that in abundance but i think when it comes to the to, to this to the tangible means especially when it comes down to money um i think churches need to keep that in-house for their people only only for their people now what about missions Right, that, but that's part of the mission. 
No, well, so but only well, for their people. But what I was saying is like, okay, so what about missions, mm-hmm. right? And so I mean, because you, you let's use a slightly um, like because to some extent you drew a parallel with the Scott Diakonin fund, and I think mm-hmm. you know Scott missions a good example of that. But but yeah. use the crisis pregnancy centers, right? Like if it's a Christian oriented, gospel oriented organization. Mm-hmm. You know, um, putting money towards that prices, prices, pregnancy. Pregnancy, crisis pregnancy center in your local neighborhood mm-hmm. is part of the, the biblical mandate to some extent. But you could argue that it's getting a little, I would argue that's not political. And so where I was drawing the distinction for what you were saying was mm-hmm. political activism as opposed to... Um, or advocacy. Or advocacy. <laughs> yes, good call. <laughs> Throw Sam in there. <laughs> um, um, that is is separate than um, the, 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 the church mandate, which would yeah. be more okay. local initiative. Okay. And- okay, I'll put it this way. I'll put it this way, Joel. Okay, so... I, so... He, he, okay, so for example, when you're looking at the church, right, and we're saying, oh, we have we have this um, evangelism team, we have um, this um, pro-life team. Well, it's not necessarily the church that makes the team; it's the people, right? People come to the church and they have a burden, right? Sam comes into my church; he has a burden, and he's saying, you know what? I have a burden to to reach out um, and, ad- and and um, and and be an advocate for pro-life. Um, can you guys support me in this? Yes, some people can support him. That's fine. Um, and and other means. Uh, the uh, the point I'm making is that it isn't necessarily the church that is doing the work in the culture, but it's the Christians who are taking the initiative with the support of some of their brothers and sisters to go and do these culture changing things. And that, that's why I think it's important to make the distinction on um, a, a person who's going to lead the the missions team a person who's going to lead the evangelism team and they're going to go and raise the funds and they're going to find the support versus like, you're going to go to pastor and you're saying, okay, look, pastor, we got to change a couple mandates on this church. Um, and these are the things we're going to support. Cause that's when it becomes dicey. And then people are going to like, yeah, black man gets shot in the street. And then what are people going to do? They come and they come to look at the pastor and they say, yo, silence is compliance. Why aren't you guys black lives matter? Well, well that's different, right? And, and, and no, no. And I'm saying, but this, this has kind of been this, this is how I've identified the slippery slope of how some of these churches, not to name any, I'm not going to name any that some of us attend, but <laughs> this is where you get into a slippery slope. And now you got to have black people coming in to talk about their experiences and, and, then, and then all this other stuff. But that's not really a slippery slope. That's more of a failure to obey God's word on it. Because the issue there isn't not supporting ministries. The issue is supporting the wrong ministries. The same way, for example, it's almost like someone saying that, well, supporting um, missions is a slippery slope. No, it's not. We're supposed to support missions. Well, well, well it's the our mandate. Is, it's our mandate. Exactly. The problem is you can just support the wrong ones. So there are biblical things. So again, so for example. But, hold on, hold on, but, a, but missions isn't isn't a political movement. Well, well, well that's the thing. So what's, what's, what's politics but justice applied? See, I think the word, so I don't believe in, um, I, I well, just to be, I guess, more, uh, just to explain this, I don't believe in a sacred circular divide. Everything is sacred, and you know, everything I, is I, sanctified. I agree with that, too. Yeah, uh, I figured you yeah, were. Yeah, 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 so, yeah. Yeah, so everything is either... Abraham type stuff. Exactly. Okay. So, I mentioned that because everything we do is 
um, in some ways political. Everything we do, you know. Uh, now, now, bear me here. We're not just called to go preach the gospel. Mm-hmm. We're called to make disciples, mm-hmm. right? Mm-hmm. And oftentimes, so for example, when we're talking about, um, say, say if someone in our a Christian in our local community decided to start a school for fatherless children. Right now, it's, this is a, this would be a school that would be say some kind of a charter school that would. You talking about again, me? <laughs> Man. There's a reason. There's a reason why I mentioned it. I'm trying to. You're pulling. You're pulling on my on my heart strings. You're pulling on my heart strings. Yeah, I I, I, I was I was uh, hoping you'd catch on to that. <laughs> so. Let's just say some nameless man that you know we know in our communities decided to <laughs> decided to um, uh, build a school, and if Christians said, you know, it's not well, not just Christians, but just a church said, you know what? Because in the Book of Acts, right, it talks about how there were men saying, hey, you know, we don't want to be giving up preaching the word of God and serving tables and stuff. So we want to just pick out some men from among us of good repute to go to our our neighborhood and to do that. But then this church says, you know what? We don't have men like that in our church. We don't have men in our church that can do that. But here is this man, random man that, you know, I don't know about just in my mind, who is of a good character, good repute, you know, great skill. And he can do this. Therefore, we're going to use our, our, um, the funding that we have for mercy ministry support him as a local body that we pray together we and the church itself being baptist you know i believe in you know elder led congregations that the church decides together with the pastors and the, and the members to just to support this man of good repute mm-hmm. right mm-hmm. that's biblical I, I i i don't see an issue with that now the problem can be then if you have a bad church or a church that does not understand how to understand act six and then they choose men who don't have a good character men who don't have a good reputation mm-hmm. men who are not skilled at doing what they're doing if they go do that you know that's good now even when it comes to politics the you know say on abortion issue that's political and yet it's also a matter of justice we you we cannot establish justice in our society without politics you can't i agree politics is a practice is a practical way to addressing or uh, establishing justice mm-hmm. so i think it's good for local i think it's actually important if, if it's possible if they can do it it's essential for churches to be serving their communities and, if, and especially if they can support organizations now i won't tell them which ones they have to support right. that's not that's not on us right but whoever they can support again a biblical organization uh, or an organization that that is a ch- trying to um, pursue a biblical issue they should absolutely go forward and support them that's just that's what i believe no no okay and i i see what you're saying and hopefully we can continue this conversation but um yeah we got to (laughs) go so uh sam can you tell the people where they can get in contact with you yeah um you can find me at uh you know, on all social media platforms, um, as a slow to write, mm-hmm. um, or, you know, or, uh, just email me at a uh, slow to write at gmail.com. And, uh, yeah, that's where you can find me. And, and, and if they want to support, uh, any of your <laughs> advocacy. Yes. Yes. I'm really bad at, uh, promoting how people can choose to support my work. Yeah. They can find me on Patreon as well too, at a uh, slow to, um, well, slow to write or patreon.com slow to write. 
and then they can find me there and i'll uh, make sure it's all on the show notes page get the easy links yeah i appreciate that guys thank yeah, you yeah no problem no problem um it's always a, a pleasure having you on you know it's always fun and I, i'm just gonna end uh with a, a quote from the preface of compassion and conviction okay and he says uh justin gibbon he says this uh, every christian in america is political this is unavoidable it is the privilege and burden of citizenship we can choose to not exercise the duties of citizenship, but that, but that does not mean we do not have them. People are paying attention to how Christians operate in political life. They want to know if faith makes a difference in how to think about politics and how to carry out those duties of citizenship. Christians, too, are asking how their faith ought to impact their political outlook. We believe that how we answer the, these, this question can glorify God, bless our nation and our neighbors, and affirm the gospel we proclaim is real and meaningful for all of life. Success makes change. But you heard me? Does that make sense?